You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most urgent topics in the never-dull world of Indiana basketball. This is our 113th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 492nd episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, February 28th, 2019, one day before we all convene in Bloomington for our annual trip back for a game, our team dinner, and our audience meetup, which we're so very looking forward to. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. This week's banner moment occurred at the 9.39 mark of the first half in Indiana's 75-73 double overtime victory over Wisconsin. This is when Race Thompson checked into the game for the first time. To set the stage, this was a few possessions after Wisconsin had their five-point play, which came courtesy of poor interior defense from Evan Fitzner and a still-wobbly Deron Davis, who was fresh off his pregame puking. In short order, a 12-12 tie had become a 17-12 deficit, and an emotionally downtrodden assembly hall felt pensive or at least it seems so watching on tv or maybe i'm just projecting how i felt sitting on my couch at home regardless the hoosiers needed a spark and they were about to get one in the form of thompson playing in his third game after losing most of his freshman season to what i've had described to me as one of the worst concussions folks inside the program have ever seen juan morgan made the first of a one and one making the score 17 13 race checked in and drew the assignment of ethan happ who had already scored eight points on four of six shooting Indiana's defense was actually playing pretty well up to that point, except for the fact that the Hoosiers had no answer for Hap on the block, as has been the case for four straight years now. But on the next possession down, with Race bodying him up, Hap missed a hook shot. Two possessions later, Race grabbed a rebound. Two possessions after that, Hap missed under the basket again. And two possessions after that, Hap missed another hook shot. The only scoring Hap did during that stretch was making two free throws, And given that he's a 44.1% shooter from the line, making him earn some of his points from the stripe was surely part of the game plan. In all, Race played six minutes in the first half. He secured one rebound, held Hap to 0 of 3 shooting, and played a big role in Indiana outscoring Wisconsin by four to tie the game at 25. For the game, during Race's 21 minutes on the court, Hap went one of six from the field and three of six from the line. After the game, Archie praised Race's willingness to be physical and play tough. It's something Indiana hasn't had enough of in the post this season and in seasons past. And it does make you wonder how much better the Hoosiers' record might be with a full season of health for Race. Alas, we'll never know. But what we do know, after seeing Race play for only 44 minutes this season, is that he's going to be a huge part of Indiana's future. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show to my left, he remains the Fran McCaffrey of Girls U Sports Coaching in Cincinnati. He is the President Emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club. 
and he is a world-renowned bracketologist. And if you think I'm way off base for comparing our mild-mannered Andy to the lunatic who coaches at Iowa, just remember that Andy has been known to lose his cool on this show, too. Oh, crap. No, stop doing that. Hey, you shut up. Yes, in addition to being comfortable, the sweatshirt is a great thing that you can use to cover your mouth and scream obscenities into while you're watching a game like this. It's time to shut the (laughs) down, folks. Ah. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, your bottoms line on the last week in Indiana basketball. Man, I got to make sure I don't sit next to you at the game. You might get some more material to use in these uh, in these later. So I'll... people would be so shocked if they make sat sure next choose, to you during a game. Choose wisely. <laughs> Anybody that sat next to me during one of my kids' games though would not be surprised. So be that as it may, here we are. Uh, this season just continues to be crazy. I thought Galen had a really good. Uh, albeit strange analogy on Crimson Cast, where you know if anybody used to read those uh, choose your own adventure books as a kid, he said this season has basically been like reading one of those straight through without following the instructions, where a series of seemingly unrelated events just get pieced together into a into a story overall. I, I really thought that was I found myself nodding as I was listening to that. That you just look and the the games that this team has managed to win have been uh, probably two of the more improbable ones on the schedule during this last fourteen game stretch and so you go two and 12 in those 14 games and win arguably if you rank them maybe the two least winnable games historically for iu uh during that scenario which i guess maybe makes it uh more possible than than you might think that this of all seasons might be when iu strings together some kind of weird late season run for now uh i'm I'm more of the one game at a time mode and i think they have uh, at least showed up since that minnesota game and given some pretty consistent effort in each of the three games since then uh, and and as I mentioned on the show after the game on uh, on Tuesday night, it, it was impressive to see them be able to bounce back after you know going on that watching Wisconsin go on the twenty to three run in a game that IU seemed to have control of. It would have been pretty easy to you know fold up shop and uh, and head home. So this team has has given itself a chance and given itself some hope and uh, looking forward to seeing their next game in person. If they can win that, then uh, I'm sure. Uh, Coach and I will be bombarded with even more uh, tournament scenario questions than we already have been, and more so than you even have planned during the rest of the show. <laughs> I was going to say, get ready. Uh, to my right, it is not Ryan Phillips, who is en route from San Diego to Bloomington for our annual trip. I love that town. We all do. But taking Ryan's place, he is our Will Sheehy, he's our Max Bielfeld, and he's also our coach and the clear fan favorite among all Assembly Call hosts. Popping the collar. It's the coach, Brian Tonsoni, whose Western Boys basketball team unfortunately lost their first sectional game earlier this week. Coach, we were all sorry to hear that, but we're a little happy that the consolation prize is that we get to see you this weekend. Uh, Thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, You know, if you got to lose and get knocked out of the tournament, it's always nice to hang with some good guys like yourself in in a great town like Bloomington. Um, Unfortunately, the uh, lack of offense uh, travels from IU to, uh, as a fan, to the team that I I work for. So, um, but you know, Indiana basketball, it seems like short of the Minnesota game, the last four or five games have been more like the first, uh, 12, 14 games, uh, when an IU is a lot more competitive. It's good to see that. It's good to see that the, the program didn't shut it down after, uh, the long series of, of, of wins. And specifically the last uh, three games have seemed to be a little bit more uh, like we would want uh, as fans, obviously we would want more victories than that, but it's the, it's the style of play. And I think it goes to having depth uh, again, uh, ability to play people some less minutes if they're not competing at the right level or playing at the right level, uh, getting some people to um, 
have a chance in moments like Fitzner at Iowa to, to make a contribution. Thompson, as you mentioned in the banner moment, I think that's the structure of the team coming into the season. And it's just never, ever really uh, been part of the season. And hopefully that'll give some pause to all the craziness of the year about whether this program's headed in the right direction or not. If Indiana can win a couple games down the stretch and make a, a good closing run, uh, maybe people can see that it, it, not all is lost. Uh, and, and with a little patience, things might uh, turn out to be a, a little bit better. And at least that's that's the hope from from my aspect. But it seems like it's been better basketball. Um, there, there's some things about executing late game that players need to do better. It, it seems like the other team's been executing late games and Indiana hasn't that still need to be cleaned up uh, in order to win consistently. Uh, but I think it's, it's been nice to just take a deep breath again and, and see Indiana basketball compete um, again. Absolutely. All right. On tap this week, we're going to talk about keys to victory over Michigan State. And I just saw some kind of breaking news uh, in the chat mob from our buddy Josh Wilson, who will be co-hosting our postgame show after the Michigan State game. So we'll get to that and how that might impact the game. We're also going to look ahead to some realistic end of season scenarios and see what that might mean for tournament play for Indiana. And then we'll talk about some of Indiana's building blocks for the future and answer your questions. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. Before we get to all that, though, let's do as we usually do in this spot, and let's talk about sleep. And if you stuck around for AC After Dark a couple weeks back, then you heard our expansive conversation with Megan Mahaffey. Hi. She is our longtime Assembly Call listener and an original chat mobber. And Megan was recently in the market for a new mattress, and she and her husband decided to give Comfort Option a try, and she was nice enough to join us and share her experience, and naturally... I chopped up the audio to use in fun, out-of-context ways. I just sneezed, and it's the worst thing that has ever happened to me. But also in useful ways, like sharing why you should give Comfort Option a try. For example, if you live in Indy or Bloomington, you can schedule Comfort Option's revolutionary in-home mattress service. Why is that cool? There's a van with a bed in it, and they just put the mattress together right there, and you lay on it, and you decide if you like it or not. Plus... They don't charge you extra to come build the mattress at your house. Seriously, they don't. And if you don't live in India or Bloomington, you can still order one of their Alpha mattresses online and they'll deliver it anywhere in the U.S. Megan and her husband went with the Alpha Medium. We've been really, really pleased with how the Alpha Medium has felt. I am physically sleeping better. And to top it all off, Comfort Option offers a 3090 satisfaction guarantee to make sure you love your mattress. I actually got an email this morning from Comfort Option. Just checking in, you know, how's everything going? Do we need to make any adjustments? Because they will do that with the Alpha Mattress too, folks. They will let you sleep on it for 30 days and then they'll work with you to kind of swap things out and, and make it more appropriate for what you need if you find it's not working for you, which is awesome. Bottom line, they want the mattress buying experience to be more pleasant than it's ever been. The whole thing start to finish went incredibly smoothly. Mission accomplished. So go to comfortoption.com right now and either order your Alpha mattress or schedule your in-home mattress store service today. And when you do it, use the promo code ASSEMBLY to get $50 off your purchase. Again, comfortoption.com, promo code ASSEMBLY for $50 off. Get the mattress that's right for you. Don't leave your sleep to chance. It's too important. We want you to live. Yes, we do. Can we get some basketball, please? Okay, back to talking basketball. Uh, so I want to before we dive into Michigan State real quick, I just want to I know I said this on the postgame show after the Wisconsin game, but this is the first episode of Assembly Call Radio that we've had a chance to do since Kent Sterling, uh, since his show got canceled on CBS 1430 in Indianapolis. 
And, you know, I don't know if everybody knows this, but the, the reason we started doing this weekly show was because Kent Sterling gave us a slot on CBS 1430, a weekly slot. And we had been doing uh, shows every other week. But Andy, you recall, that's why we started doing the weekly show. And this Thursday night show, this ability to talk about the Hoosiers, but even more importantly, you know, to come on here, hang out with you folks that are in the chat mob and have something for you listening on the podcast Thursday night and Friday morning, you know, that wouldn't have happened with the regularity that it does were it not for Kent Sterling. And so I would be remiss if we didn't thank him for believing in us, for giving us that opportunity, for inspiring us to take the next step to do this every single week. This is 113 straight weeks that we have done this. It wouldn't have happened without Kent. He's an awesome guy who uses his platform to lift other people up. Follow him on Twitter, at Kent Sterling. I know we're all excited to see what he's doing next, but we have to say thank you to him because he's a big part of why Assembly Call Radio even exists. Yeah, I, I would echo everything that you said. I And I just texted him today and uh, shared some of the same thoughts that you did. And and he said it already You know, sounds like he might have some things in the works. So uh, as, as I think all of us would expect, I'm sure he's a guy that will assuredly land on his feet and uh and be back in the airwaves before we know it but uh definitely this would not have been possible without uh without his support and uh encouragement along the way so we definitely appreciate it yep okay so let's hop in let's talk real quick about michigan state obviously indiana has played them once we've beaten them once and we all know you know what happened to that game indiana played hard they played together they made 10 three pointers <laughs> you know the, this team is going to win some games and they can make 10 three so obviously you know a key as it's been in seemingly every game we've got to compete at the three point line at least to a draw and if you know if we can make 10 three pointers again that would obviously be great but i want to get your guys thoughts on what the keys in particular to this game are nick ward will not play joshua langford of course has been out for a while and i just saw josh posted in the chat mob that uh, matt mcquade who has been one of their best defensive players questionable for the game apparently reports state that he sprained his ankle in practice i guess he is uh, likely to play but you know an ankle if he's you know at all hobbled you know he's the guy that was probably going to guard romeo yeah that, that, that tough matchup to guard romeo langford if you're not at 100 percent. so andy as you project this game forward you know given that information and and what we saw of course of what michigan state did at michigan recently what do you think are the keys for indiana to knock them off for the second time this year uh I certainly think being able to shoot the ball well will uh, will help, particularly because Michigan State is one of the top teams, if not the top team, in conference play in terms of two-point and three-point defense. So that's important. But I really think more so than that, uh, with some of the injuries they've they've had recently, their offense has been very heavily skewed toward Cassius Winston coming off of a variety of ball screens and trying to get actions out of that. So uh, IU has, as, as we've said, stepped up defensively of late and, and strung together a handful of solid defensive performances against some good offensive teams like Purdue and Iowa. And so uh, it, it will be incredibly important for guys like Rob Finnessy, who's played really well uh, of late, putting pressure on the ball, Al Durham. Uh, th those guys have both been really good in, in recent games, disrupted Carson Edwards, and uh, they'll need to do the same thing with Cassius Winston. I mean, I think if there's one thing to point to, it's, it's how you defend those situations and, and how you try to bottle him up, particularly with you know fewer and fewer options with Michigan State, it's always important to keep him off the glass. Uh, but I, I think uh, Winston is really the guy that you've got to figure out. You're not going to stop him from scoring, but again, kind of similar to what we talked about with Hap, make him as inefficient as you can possibly be, and really have a plan with how you're going to guard him coming off of ball screens and stick to it. 
And our perimeter defense has been pretty good, you know, recently, especially with Rob Finnessy finally looking like himself again. Uh, Coach, what are your keys to the game on Saturday? You know, when you, you think Michigan State, you think of, of the physical presence of their post-play rebounding and post-presence, and you think of transition basketball. They're one of the best teams in transition basketball. So you want to limit the number of easy opportunities. And, and, and with some of their better players hurt, transition is a way to get some open shots for, for players that they might not be able to get if they had to play in a half court against a set defense. So I think those two things are key. I think, actually, uh, Indiana may have the advantage inside uh, because of Ward being out uh, with Davis uh, and, and with Race Thompson now being able to go and, and Morgan playing in there, they can run a variety of players inside the post. And, and the other thing to, to watch is this. When you have an injury, uh, Ward is hurt. Everyone's saying, uh, boy, Michigan State's going to stumble. They go into their arch rival on the road and win. You usually can get a team up to cover for an injury that first game. The second game is sometimes harder to do, especially when it's on the road. Yes, the motivation's there to try to beat Indiana from the previous game, but it's still Indiana, the team that's uh, down in the standings and not as good. And then if McQuaid is hurt, so there's some things that Michigan State really has to cover. Uh, And so I think defense for me is always the key and then uh, being able to to score uh, effectively and the Hoosiers get a win. When we beat them up there, we did it with Jawan Morgan only playing 13 minutes and with Rob Finnessy playing 18 minutes going 0 for 1 from the field, having zero assists and five fouls. I mean, it's amazing. You, you, know, you list some of those things out and you would never think that we win that game. Obviously, part of it was that Devontae Green made three or four from three. But I think, you know, obviously, having Rob back the way he's played the last couple of games is going to be huge. I'm, I'm telling you, I kind of have a gut feeling that Romeo is going to go off in this game. And it's not just about you know the McQuaid stuff, but he he was really ready for that moment. He didn't shoot great. He was only four of thirteen. He was two of five from three point range, but he hit some really timely shots, and he was so into that game. And you know after what he did against Wisconsin and finally hitting that you know that last second shot, I, you know I just I wonder if he'll even play a little bit more free now that that pressure of finally getting that win and hitting that last second shot is off. And like we've seen him kind of go supernova for spurts. I would not be surprised if this is his best game as a Hoosier. I kind of have a little gut feeling it may come, and if it if it does, we'll be in attendance to see it. And that's the kind of thing that can that can help you beat a team like Michigan State. So you know you need your stars to play like stars to beat you know good teams like that. And so hopefully Romeo can do it. Um, any final thoughts on this game, Andy? Before we move on. No, I mean they're they're all important for IU at this point, uh, given the way they've they've backed themselves into a corner. So, uh, if nothing else, it at least is a game that uh, lately there there haven't been a lot of wins to draw confidence from. I guess at least you could think that this is a team he's already beat. So maybe they they feel good about that. But I do think the depth is going to be a, a potentially big factor. You know, if you look at the at the Michigan game uh, for for them, Winston played forty minutes. McQuaid was pretty close to that. Uh, Kenny Goins played played 38 minutes, Tillman played 31, and and that was a pretty big drop-off from there. So even not having one of those guys, if McQuaid really is is limited in some way, there aren't a ton of other places for them to turn. Uh, and if you can uh, you can maybe get somebody in foul trouble, do some things like that, get them worn down. It is a team that, albeit not in the Michigan game, has had some turnover issues before. So if you can really ratchet up the defense, can you force them into turnovers and uh, get yourself some easy baskets? That would be uh, certainly important and a, and a big one for IU if they can make it happen. Libby in the chat mob, our guys need to try to avoid stupid fouls. Not always something we can control given the lack of consistency in Big Ten officiating. <laughs> Very well said. 
<laughs> very, very well said. <laughs> All right. Uh, coming up on the assembly call, we're going to discuss what Indiana needs to do from this point forward to make the final stretch of the season a success. And we play out a few reasonable scenarios and assess what Indiana's tournament prospects would be. Stick with us here on the assembly call. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to participate in our unedited live broadcasts, chat mobbers, or watch those replays, then check out our YouTube channel, as esteemed chat mobber Chad once put it. Hearing the stuff in between, you get to know you guys a lot better. Like the time, oh, I don't know, two days ago when Ryan yet again showed how little he still understands our production process here in year eight of doing the show. On they, oh, I didn't know you were still on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're still on. Yeah. We're still on YouTube. On That's, YouTube. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know. Uh, it doesn't matter. We didn't say anything bad. Uh, no, but, no, you know, no. Andy's scoffing at no. how you still don't understand how the show works. No, like I thought we were ago, off. We had this exact thought, conversation. I thought we were off and it was just three of us talking. No. This is still on YouTube. Oh. Hi, guys. Jared, Jared, can you, why don't you pull up the sound drop from not very long ago when, when we made this same revelation? Now we have two of those sound drops. It just, it just doesn't stop. My my favorite part was that he made as you were playing the sound clip over it. He was saying almost the exact same thing. I know that clearly showed that that it had not the situation had not changed in those couple of weeks. But I know. anyway, we would have heard that if I had kept playing it. I tell you, my favorite part of it, my favorite part of that clip was the way that you scoff at him. Yeah, I didn't know. Uh, right there, <laughs> I've isolated that scoff so that we can use it. <laughs> So now, <laughs> so now anytime anytime he does something scoff worthy, we can use that. Okay. Uh, so anyway, join us live at youtube.com slash assembly call. Um, so guys, let's talk real quick. You know, end of the season. We're down to the final stretch. Three games left. Then whatever is ahead of us in the Big Ten tournament. We got this question from Cliff. Throwing the rest of the season out. Like we are where we are. Here we are. From this point forward, what would it take for you to consider this season a success? Coach, why don't you take the first stab at this? Well, for me, I'm not looking necessarily at the tourney. We'll talk about some of those scenarios, uh, which is still a possibility, although slim, in my opinion. I think the success is 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 maintaining a little bit of momentum here towards the end with two or three wins, regardless of tournament uh, placement. Just getting back to being Indiana basketball that was at the beginning of the season, so that. Uh, Going into the offseason, there can be some hope. There can be some excitement about what's going to happen next year and, and end on a note that's a little more positive than the, the 12 out of 13 game struggle that Indiana had. Andy, how do you, how will you judge it? I think if they can sustain what we've seen over the last few games, particularly defensively, I think that'll be really important because so many times during that losing streak, we would kind of get on in the yeah, there was a lot of things that were said over and over again, but but part of it was not really understanding what this team's identity was and the foundation of defense that we felt was there at various points toward the beginning of the season and, and certainly last season. That seemed to have gone away, and and they they've recaptured that over these last few games and and really done that. Now it hasn't. It's translated into wins in one of those three games, but that that you know, concerted effort to really perform well on that end of the floor, I, I think is what everybody believes this team's identity is going to be under Archie Miller. So 
at least it's laying the groundwork for that. Uh, and I think that becomes really important as a foundational piece. And then you obviously need to figure out how to improve the offense and do some things better on that end of the floor. But I think sustaining the momentum that they've built, albeit in this short stretch, and uh, you know, hopefully that materializes in, in some wins. But I think being able to see that consistent effort over the rest of the season, no matter what happens, no matter if the games get lost or, or won, uh, I think becomes important from a cultural standpoint of what's going to be tolerated and what's not going forward. I like all of that. I agree with all of that. I think right now we're 14 and 14. We're playing better. We're capable of winning games. I think we need to make a tournament. Like if we can, if, from where we are right now, if we make the NIT, and I say that because I think if Indiana just has a winning record, they will make the NIT because of, you know, just the brand name and because of how many quad one wins we have. There is still a, an unlikely but still possible path to the NCAA tournament, as we'll talk about. But I think we need to be playing in a tournament because I think that extra practice time, just that, ex- that extra game time for these young guys would be big. And look, we have the majority of our roster now. We should be winning games. You know, now we're past the disappointment of Minnesota and wondering if the team's going to quit on the season. They're not. They've played really hard for three straight games. They, were, they had chances to win all of them. They finally got a win. Let's win some games now. Let's win more than we lose. Let's get into the NIT. And who knows, if we get really hot, let's make the NCAA tournament. But I think if we don't make a tournament from this point right now, that to me is a failure from this point on. We'll assess the full season later. But if we're just talking from this point on, I think we need to be playing in a tournament. And I don't really see a good excuse for it not happening. So let's, let's look at some, we'll kind of call this the next part of this segment, Fun with moderately realistic dream scenarios uh, with our with our resident expert bracketologist, and and I, I want to make this point real quick just for context, Andy. And you've made it before, but it's important to remember: Indiana currently fourteen and fourteen. No teams have ever made it into the NCAA tournament with sixteen losses as an at large. That hasn't happened. But two years in a row, at least one team has made the tournament as an at large team with fifteen losses. That was Alabama last year. They were nineteen and fifteen, like Indiana. You know, a very strong strength of schedule. Uh, you know, had, you know, obviously some good wins over good teams, which helped them. Vanderbilt then 2017 at 19 and 15, again, really strong strengths of schedule. Both of those teams actually won two games in their conference tournament, which is instructive for what we're about to talk about. But no teams have won 16. Now, if a team with 16 losses ever is going to make it, it would probably be one with Indiana's resume. So that's not necessarily disqualifying, but it certainly puts you behind the eight ball. And the only way for Indiana to finish the, the, the regular season with 15 losses would be to win out in the regular season, and then obviously you lose in the Big Ten tournament. If you lose one of these games in the regular, in the regular season, you're going to have to win the Big Ten tournament to not finish with 16 losses. So that's important to remember. So let me throw a couple of scenarios out to you guys, see what you think about you know, where this kind of places Indiana with the understanding that in all of these, I think it's pretty safe to say Indiana would make the NIT, but we're trying to look beyond that and just dare to dream a little bit. We, you know, based on what we've seen, Indiana could come out and lay an egg against Michigan State. I don't expect it, but you know, we say all this with the caveat that it's a little tough to trust this team, but we're just going to dare to dream a little bit. So, Andy, let's say scenario one: Indiana wins out, beat Michigan State, beat Illinois, beat Rutgers. You end the regular season seventeen and fourteen. You're eight and twelve. At that point, you've got six quad one wins, maybe seven if Butler can get themselves back up there. You then have a probable eight nine game versus Minnesota. If you lose that, you're seventeen and fifteen. You win it, you're eighteen and fourteen. I would think at that point you're almost surely in. Then you probably have a game against Michigan State or Purdue. You know, win that game, you're pretty much guaranteed to be in. But if Indiana wins out, then what do you think they would need to do in the Big Ten tournament to feel good about getting in? 
I think it need to be at least one win. Um, as you look back at those couple teams, just to you know, those Vanderbilt and Alabama teams were were kind of different the way they went about it. Vanderbilt in 2017 uh, didn't do much of anything in the non-conference except they got a, a big win over Iowa State in the uh, Big 12 SEC Challenge. And other than that, they swept Florida in the regular season and actually beat Florida again uh, in the SEC tournament to get to what I think was the semifinals there. But they played better. They won five of their last six regular season games uh, before the conference tournament. So they really took some momentum. And Alabama did the exact opposite. They lost their last five uh, their last five regular season games, they had a couple good wins, you know, Tennessee, Florida, Auburn, uh, they had beaten, but they really didn't do anything in the non-conference either. Their best wins were Rhode Island and, and BYU. So I think the thing that sets IU apart a little bit from them is that they did accomplish some things in the non-conference. Flip side of that is Vanderbilt was uh, over 500 in the in the SEC, I think 10 and 8, and Alabama ended up 8 and 10. So some some potential factors there, but um so all of these cases are unique, and part of it is dependent upon the other teams you're going against, and, and all those all those caveats. How many caveats as, there as you are? Go. Yeah, but at this point in the year, the 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 pool of at large candidates is pretty shallow in the bubble. It feels like usually by the last few days, there's not many people that you're legitimately considering that aren't in your field. Um, but I feel like I'm kind of already at that point. Uh, maybe Brian feels differently as they've gone through this week. But I think I think if they can win those three games. Uh, that would give them another quad one win against Michigan State. The Rutgers uh, or the at Illinois win would be a, a quad two win, and the Rutgers home game would be a quad three. So that one doesn't really do anything, but not not losing it helps you. And then Minnesota, they're probably in the you know they're sixtieth today in the net. So neutral court win over them would be a, a quad two. I think you could feel. I don't know that I would feel super confident, but you know, winning those four games. Um, having you know gone on a five game winning streak in total at that point and losing to what's going to be a good opponent i mean that's one of the things iu has going for it they don't have a lot of bad losses so i'd feel fairly good if they won two games in the big 10 tournament in that scenario i'd feel really good coach what do you think uh i've been getting asked a lot of questions on on twitter with delphi bracketology uh i i think indiana needs to get to 19 and, and at least be 19 and 15 uh, wow really to be, to be considered um, simply because there's, I, I have a feeling there's going to be two or three bid thieves. So that moves, hmm. you know, moves up a, a little bit higher, uh, uh, to, to go up against some, some teams. Um, the one thing Indiana does have going for it is we really don't know how the committee is going to look at their injuries. Um, if, if it's 12 and two, and then we go four and oh, down the stretch, winning some quad, uh, one games, and there's discussion about, you know, green and, and Davis were out for three straight games when we lost at, at Rutgers and that. Uh, maybe at 18 and 15, with some discussion, that can get in. I just think um, I think that's just a tall task to ask for what we've seen in the last 14 games, but we're dreaming here. So, yeah. um, yes, I, I just think they have to at least win out. I don't think they can afford a loss in the regular season and still have NCA hopes. Uh, but so, you, you know, out, you don't think there's any scenario where they win two going down the stretch? And I mean, I, you, I know you would almost have to make it to the Big Ten tournament title game. And again, projecting any success in the Big Ten yeah. tournament is foolhardy. But I mean, if you if you lose in the Big Ten title at nineteen sixteen, there's some scenarios there because if you're in the Big Ten title, that game's played at three o'clock, and and they're going to have to make either yeah. a couple scenarios. They might just throw Indiana in then um, as an at large late uh, in case they do win. Or well, not an at large, but if they win, that'd be the automatic qualifier. 
so there's some scenarios if we're if we're dreaming i just think it's it's a real slim uh slim chance because other teams are going to win and lose games as well that are, are around the bubble Makes sense. Yeah, I think I think the challenge is if you if you factor in this, you know, winning two out of these three, I think it becomes difficult because you really can't afford to lose to Rutgers at home because that's the one that shows up as a bad loss. That's one of the things IU has going for it is that they don't have a bad loss. So you kind of put that one aside. You can't lose that one. Then you say, all right, well, maybe you lose at Illinois. Again, that's a quad two loss, but this is also a team that's two and nine on the road. So it would do you a lot of good. It sounds dumb to say it, but even to get a third road win, another road win down the stretch becomes pretty important. And then at that point, you say, well, you could lose the Michigan State game. Well, that's the one that has the biggest chance to move the needle for you. So it becomes a little bit hard to pick the one, if you're going to say go two and one in this stretch, it gets hard to pick the one that you that you would quote unquote want to lose in that scenario. So I think that's where that part of it gets difficult. So Not I think to mention really you hard. don't want to have the 16 next to your name. Yeah. So I think that's... Okay. Um, I think that also, I think that's difficult for those reasons. So I think we're pretty on a pretty similar page. I think you feel a lot better if you do get, you know, two wins in the Big Ten tournament plus these three, which gets you to 19, like Brian said. So I think we're in, in a similar, similar spot, I think. Okay. So that's maybe a, a game further than I was hoping or thinking, but so I'm glad I asked you guys. And so, and, and obviously, you know, you shoot for the stars or shoot for the moon. And if you land on a star, then you're in the NIT. And, you know, I think given where this team was, that would be okay. It wouldn't be ideal. But, it, you know, it is, it's at least nice to know if this team can get hot down the stretch without winning the Big Ten tournament, there does seem to be a scenario, unlikely as it, as it may be, that could get them in. Um, hopefully, I just hope that we're playing in a tournament. Uh, any final thoughts tournament-wise or down the stretch here for this team? Just that, um, I'm sorry, making a tournament is so hard. You know, you flip a couple of those games. If Jackson doesn't hit that three against Ohio State, that turns the scenario around. If if the push-off three by Bohannon, everyone loves the kid, but he, he it was an offensive foul on Romeo that was blatant right in front of the unbelievably inept Big Ten official. Um, that's two more wins, and we're 16 and 12, and we're in the tournament talking now. Uh, so it's just hard, and when you're facing some adversity like Indiana has um, – it's just it's frustrating that you got to go five more wins in in order to get in, but that's just the hand that that Indiana's at, uh, realistically. But uh, it'd be fun it'd be fun to start talking about it in a in a serious uh, way if if they if they won these um, won these three. Yeah, it's it's funny you you mentioned that. I mean, you could pick so many games out of the out of the hat of of this series of losses, but I I did the same thing at some point earlier this week where you just look at if this team had played the way that they have now, they don't lose to Northwestern. They, you know, pick again, as you said, just pick two games that you don't lose because you came out and played the way that you have over the last three games or, or that you, you know, won another one of these last three, we have this, these just random plays. And then, yeah, you're like, to your point, you're 16 and 12. You've got all these good wins. You have two fewer losses. Like it's, it's almost with this year's bubble. I'm not even sure you'd be in the first four at that point in, in Dayton at 16 and 12 with, with what this team has done. So that's where it gets frustrating. It just shows the, you know, the margin for error and some of those things. And it's, it's one of those where you want to get excited about how they're playing, but then you kind of get mad because you think about if it would have been this way a little bit earlier, you could have, you know, two extra, you know, flip two losses to wins. And uh, it's, it's a very different conversation that we're having right now. Make no excuses. No, no, no excuses. Uh, all right, coming up on the assembly call, we look ahead beyond this season at the players who will be returning and the signed incoming recruits and assess who we feel most confident in as building blocks for the future of the program. That's what we're going to talk about next. Stick with us here on the assembly call.
Welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Remember that you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason. And then after every game, we send out our detailed postgame analysis. Even when games have 9 o'clock Eastern starts and go to double overtime, we still get that in your inbox by 6 o'clock Eastern the next day. Uh, and that is because... There's a high-level operation going on out there. We try. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That is IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall. Dot com. Make no excuses. All right, guys. So I posed this question inside of our private IU basketball discussion community uh, over at assemblycall.com slash community. And I thought, you know, got some interesting results. So I want to pose it to you gentlemen as well. And that is, uh, you know, as we kind of look for things to watch for, you know, over the final stretch of the season, of all the non-seniors on the roster, so the guys who, you know, are going to be here next year and beyond, plus the guys that are signed for 2019, which right now is, you know, two guys, Trace Jackson Davis and Armand Franklin. I want to get who are the three players that you feel most confident in being building blocks for the future success of the program. And I think we would all agree that there are more than three. The reason why I wanted to limit it there is because, I, like, I want to know who you're most confident in. Like, if you had to just, you know you know, bet your house on these three guys being, you know, important people that we look back on and say, yeah, you know, those guys were huge and Archie, you know, getting this thing turned around and getting Indiana ba- basketball back on track. I'm going to assume that all three of us are going to say Rob Finnessy. Is that safe to say? I think we yeah. all feel, okay, we all feel comfortable with him. So Rob is in. So I guess the question is then of the other guys remaining, which two do you feel most confident in? So you're going to have, you know, you project seniors, Devontae Green, Deron Davis, Junior, and this is, you know, without just what we project without any offseason attrition. Juniors, Al Durham, Justin Smith, Clifton Moore. Sophomores, Rob, Race Thompson, Demise Anderson, Jake Forrester. And then guys who will be freshmen in terms of eligibility next year, Jerome Hunter, Armand Franklin, and Trace Jackson Davis. So, Coach, in addition to Rob, and feel free to speak about him if you like, but what other two guys do you feel most confident in as building blocks for the future? The, the question most confident can be interpreted in several ways, but I'm going to go this way. I think Deron Davis is key for rebuilding this program because as a senior, a healthy Deron Davis as a leader, I think he has the mentality to be a good leader. And when the team next year is going to have a lot of youth and second-year players, I think that is really important, especially after this year and needing to uh, have some leadership and and that stay old, get old, stay old uh that's the beginning of that. So I'm going to pick Deron Davis for that. Uh, I've just been really pleased with how he's fought back from injury and, and been tough and been a big part of why Indiana's played well when he's been on the court. When he's been off the court, Indiana has not played well. I think that continues. And then, you know, there's I think there's three uh, players that you can look at as being important. A couple of them we haven't seen because of injury. But I'm going to reach down to Armand Franklin. Wow. Uh, because I like it. And say that. Um, I think he's got that competitive, that that fighter that I want to I want to, um, you know, knock you down and, and tell you that I knock you down attitude. He um, he's developing his shot. I don't know if it's Big Ten ready high school. It's looked pretty nice. Uh, I, I've talked to a few coaches and, and you know, the, the two kids that we were recruiting, the, the young man who went to Purdue and, and then Franklin. A lot of people liked Franklin, uh, even though. Uh, the name's escaping me now. Brandon um, Newman is the other guy. Newman. Newman was probably a better shooter in his junior and senior year. Uh, and I think they're both going to be quality players. But I just think 
The key to building the program is getting old and staying old. Rob Fennessy, four years. Armand Franklin, four years. Those guys that can really bring it while the Trace Jackson Davises and the uh, Romeos come in and out. Those are going to be keys um, along with good senior leadership. That's what I'd say. That's Boy, that's interesting because, look, I think you can make an argument for a lot of these guys and Duran and Armand's names weren't ones that came up a lot in the comment thread there, and they weren't at the top of the list that I was considering. But I think you made great points for both of them. And by the way, if you haven't heard the interview on the Hoosier Hysterics podcast with Armand and his mom, it is well worth listening to. That is a terrific interview. And if you haven't listened to that and you already like Armand, you will come away liking Armand Franklin a lot more after that interview, I promise you. Um, Andy, Rob, plus who else for you? Yeah, that's, it's interesting. I, just to go back to what Coach brought up, Duran was a, is a, an odd one for me to kind of consider with this because he seems in some ways atypical of the kind of player that Archie is recruiting and wants. But I also think for as in some ways, I, I feel like people have been somewhat critical of Archie for not you know bending in terms of his system and what he wants to do in order to either fit personnel or react to certain scenarios. I do think that's one way in in with Duran again, maybe out of necessity, but Duran's also played well and earned the, the, you know, right to be, to be given that opportunity. Um, I think that's one way he's kind of bent a little bit away from, you know, maybe what he wants to do. I just wondered about picking him because I don't know that there's going to be a lot of guys like him coming in after him. So, um, but I think your point is valid. And I think with Franklin, just everything you hear about him just strikes you as a real competitor and the kind of guy who is going to, probably annoy the hell out of other big 10 fans for a while. And I will be happy to have a guy like that for the first time in a little while. Uh, it feels like that other people kind of love to hate just cause he's a competitor and will do whatever it takes to, uh, to be able to win. At least that's my impression. I, I haven't listened to that interview yet. So, uh, it sounds like that would uh, go in that direction. So I'm going to go, that being said, I'm going to go a slightly different direction in an effort to cover everyone on the roster. Um, <laughs> so if we're talking about veteran guys uh, on this team for what that's worth, I'm, I'm going to go with Al. Uh, I think he has been, uh, from a you know effort standpoint, has been a guy who really hasn't wavered in that regard over the course of the year. I think we saw really good growth from him from his, from his freshman to his sophomore season. And I would like to think that everything you hear about him is a guy who's really worked on his game done a lot in that regard. And I think the next step for him is to really be consistent. You saw against Wisconsin, he really exerted consistent effort on the defensive end, but he hit those three big threes in the first half and, you know, banked in that one 15 foot jumper at other than that didn't score uh, after halftime. So he was really important in the overall scheme of the game, but I think being a more consistent offensive contributor, and it feels like that's a kind of the next logical progression uh, for me as I think about him. And then the other guy, I'm going to go with Race Thompson, call this recency bias, if you will. But uh, again, I think he's the kind of physical guy that's going to be, you look at a, I'm going to throw Kenny Goins out just because they're playing Michigan State this weekend. But he's a guy who was a walk-on, really played his way into big minutes, became a good rebounder, has become a really good shooter uh, as he's been there and is just a solid foundational, know what you're going to get type of guy. And I think Race can be better than that. But if you just think about that type of player, that type of consistency, the physicality that Archie mentioned, uh, I think he embodies a lot of what Archie's going to want to do and the imprint that he wants to put on things. I think race is a guy who can uh, take that to the court. So I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with those three, although I think there were even some other guys that I didn't mention that I think would be worthy options. Okay, so just so everybody knows, we did not plan this segment ahead of time outside of me just telling you what the question would be to start the segment. So we didn't plan this to like hit as many players as possible. 
but I do think the fact that, you know, we all we all agreed on Rob. So it's like there's like the anchor for the next three years of the program. And so far, you guys have chosen different people and I think made great arguments for all of them. And I'm picking two other guys that you guys haven't said. And these are the guys that I was going to go with. Now, you know, I'm a little worried about them simply because we haven't seen them play. But I think they may be the two most overall talented players that are on the roster next year. And that's Jerome Hunter and Trace Jackson Davis. Now, you know, Jerome, we've talked about, you know, how, you know, he's recovering from a leg condition. He just got cleared to start doing, you know, non-contact basketball activity. But it's it's kind of one of those risk rewards for me where I think, you know, kind of the reward of picking him and trusting him, you know, and who knows? I mean, if he really gets back, he could be a guy that's only here for a couple of years because he has that kind of talent. But I just think he seems like a guy that's fully bought in that has a great attitude. I still remember listening to an interview with him. I think he was matched up against Darius Basley or somebody in high school and just how personally he took that and how competitive he is. And I loved seeing that. Combine that with his skill and I think how good of a defensive player he'll be as well. And I'm I'm hoping for the health and banking on the talent and the mindset because I think he can be absolutely huge. And then I've got to go with Trace, you know, because number one, you know, he continued you know, the in-state five-star big-name prospect coming to Indiana. He seems like he has a similar mentality to Armand Franklin. I mean, just seems like a guy who's going to work hard. And, you know, he's kind of the best kind of five-star prospect to get where he's really, really good, but he's not going to be ready to be a one-and-done, most likely. And for what he does is a little bit undersized at the next level. So it will probably take him two, maybe three, possibly even four years at Indiana. Um, and that's without him like coming in and playing poorly. He just doesn't right now project at the next level. So I think we'll have him for a little while. And I think with Juwan gone, and hopefully we get a lot out of Duran next year, and he helps ease the pressure on Trace. You know, but then to have Trace kind of anchoring the post for the next you know two maybe three years after that, I think that'll be really important. So look, I think. I'm I'm glad that the segment went like this. I wasn't quite sure how the segment was going to go, but I think if you're looking for reasons to be positive about the program, the wins and losses haven't been here this year. But it really does feel like if we can add some shooters, you know, and obviously we have to add more to the roster. And you know, you need, you know, if Devonte Green's going to be here, you know, Justin Smith and you know Clifton Moore, all these guys that are going to be upperclassmen, they obviously are going to need to progress. And same thing with Demizi and Jake, you know, who we didn't mention. But it really does seem like there are some building blocks you can trust moving forward where even though you lose guys like Romeo and Juwan, you can still feel good about the depth of the roster, the overall talent, and what this team will be able to do because a lot of these guys that we've talked about are Archie Miller's guys. Um, and so that's at least, you know, in a, on a down season, that's something to feel good about moving forward. So, Yeah, I think the the Hunter is interesting. I think he would be one that I would have picked if you guaranteed me that he was going to be healthy, that he was going to be there. I think that was the only hesitation that I had, or or he would have been, he would have been one of mine for sure. So, uh, I I think that one that one makes a lot of sense. I think I think they all make sense. Uh, You know, Trace, it's it's again an opportunity to show for Archie to show his development of a of a front court player in that way. You know, he's got Juwan now, but he's he was there. Uh, Juwan's taking on a different role. a more prominent role, I guess, since Archie was there, but it's a chance for Archie to really be able to show, Hey, here's what I can do with a, a, a talented big guy that comes in. So I think that's important for the program 
wins and losses for sure, but also just from a recruiting standpoint, I think that becomes important. So, you know, I think what you like a lot about the guys that we talked about is you, we, we all use the term like competitor a number of times. And I think those are, you know, the kinds of guys that you, that you really want as cliche as that sounds uh, to really have guys that, that hate to lose and, and, and really are competitive in that way. I think there's a lot of guys like that. And I think fantasy, that's one of the things that it's probably natural to pick the guy who you believe is going to be the point guard. He, that makes him, the obvious choice, like you said, but I think people would say the same thing about him, just his competitive nature and, uh, and, and those kinds of things. So I think it's a good, you're starting to see some commonality between the makeup of the guys that are there and, and common traits that, that this staff is clearly looking for. Have you ever seen a fan base trust a freshman quicker than the IU fan base trusted Rob Finnessy? Like there's just, there's just such a trust with him, you know, when, when he's healthy and right. Wait till Armand gets here. <laughs> yeah, him too. Well, that's hey, that's what you want. The more guys that you can trust, man, that is that is what you want as a coach. That's what you want as fans, and that's what you want on your team. You want, you know teammates who can trust each other. So a- real quickly, it's so important to get your guys in a program, high school, college, pro. Get the guys that you want to coach, and that that that's difficult when you're taking over a program. And I think we're seeing uh, Archie's dudes starting uh, to flow into the program. That's what we talked about in this segment. Yep. All right, coming up in our final segment with whatever time we have left, we will answer your questions. We have to help out a new father who has asked us for some advice. We will do that. And then we got asked who our all-time hated Big Ten players are. So we'll talk about that as well. Stick with us. Listening to the assembly call, we are wrapping up another week of talking IU basketball. And Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsoni. Guys, let's hit as many questions as we can here. First question from Jonathan Goodman, who congrats to Jonathan, who just welcomed a son, Iman, five hours after the Iowa loss. So Iman is one and zero having uh, just defeated Wisconsin. So congratulations there. But Jonathan wants to know, as you were all fathers, because uh, he knew that Ryan wasn't going to be on this show, uh, could you demonstrate some cheers when something really exciting happens during a game, but you were holding a sleeping infant? Because really, Coach, I mean, what you got to do, you got the infant in one arm. You definitely have to do the one arm. And then you just you have to be able to move that arm as much as possible and release all the happy energy, but have a tight hold so that you're not moving the infant very much. And then I also try to use a lot of facial expressions, you know, like overdo my facial expressions because that helps to channel some of the enthusiasm too. So that, that was how I handled it. How about you? You know, it depends if you're standing or, or sitting. If it's a close game, you got a pace and you're holding. Then, then I say the one arm stuff. If you're seated and have your legs up on, on the couch, you could do a little leg kick. Uh, that won't endanger the infant. Um, and, and so that's that's what I've done. You could always, you know, if it's a Purdue game, there's certain salutes you can give towards West Lafayette uh, <laughs> with one hand and one gesture, one arm um, that the, the young infant won't know is uh, is dangerous quite yet. So, you know, those are all things that I probably have done with my two boys. But I, I will tell Jonathan that as they grow older, you can put them in candy stripes. And when you beat Purdue, you can put on the music in 20 degree weather and go outside the front yard in Purdue territory and dance like crazy. Nothing's better than raising an Indiana fan. Congratulations, my friend. Andy, quickly, what what is your advice for celebrating with a sleeping infant in your arms? Uh, that's that's a tough one. Uh, you just gotta you gotta stick with like fist pumps and things like that, or you know, 
some way to stifle yourself, but you do not want to wake the sleeping baby as you'll may have already learned. The most important thing that you need is the quiet and to allow the child to sleep. So if that means putting the child first, as you will do many times and stifling your own enthusiasm momentarily, that's the way to go. Yes, it is. All right. That's going to do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to hear us talk about hated Big Ten players, go listen to the podcast because we'll do it there. Uh, And if you ever want to see us do the show live, join us on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording over at assemblycall.com. And you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you. Actually, Chad and Josh and Will will talk to you after the Michigan State game. Keep your elbows in, your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate... Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Talk about poor late game execution. <laughs> Got just trying to squeeze too much into the final song there. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> For a minute there, you were Romeo running to the corner on that inbound play. Yeah, I really, I really was. Got to be better than that at the end of the show. How many times <laughs> have I done that outro now? Well, yeah, because I forgot. I wanted to let everybody know that the, the Michigan State game, Will's hosting, and then it's Chad Schwartzkopf, who's done a couple of recent postgame shows, and then Josh Wilson, who hosts the Inside Out podcast and has joined us for Banner Monday. So they will be with you, although I think we'll probably try and pop on like as we drive to Crazy Horse after we leave the arena, we'll probably try and pop on on our phones. So we might be there, but those guys are going to handle the heavy lifting for what is hopefully a very victorious and fun episode. Hopefully It'll be the so. first time that Will has thought about basketball in about four years since he was on the show with us. So Chad and Josh need to be ready to really do the heavy lifting. But Will Will brings the technical expertise and can uh, knows how to host. He's a, he's a professional post-game show host, so I trust him. But he... If he tries to talk basketball, we could get ourselves in trouble. <laughs> eh, it's okay. Yeah, what are you going to do? It is okay. Four years later, he still understands the technical part of the show better than Ryan. Absolutely. Um, okay, so let's hit this other question real quick uh, before we get out of here since we teased it. Uh, this is from Adam. This may be a better question for after the season, but we're going to take it now. What would be your all-time Big Ten hated players team? Uh, Ethan Happ, Aaron Kraft, Brian Cardinal. How do you narrow them down to one team? Ha ha. Um, I would say recent entrance to that list that we can all agree on, Jordan Bohannon and CJ Jackson. Uh, yep. screw, screw both of those guys. And I say that with a <laughs> tremendous amount of respect for them. Screw them both for all the big shots that they've made. It's, it's the best, you know, I'm sure those guys, they like being, uh, being hated by IU fans. Um, the biggest name that comes to mind for me, I just always hated him when I was growing up. And I don't know if the empirical evidence backs it up, 
But I always felt like Jamie Skelton hit big shots against us when we played Ohio State. So I've never liked him. I've never liked Nick Anderson because seven-year-old me was just absolutely crushed being at the game when he made that shot. Um, so those two guys definitely come to mind. Um, it's it's more just because they hit big shots against us. It's not like I didn't like them as players or you know anything like that. Um, yeah. What about you? What about you guys? Chris Kramer is one that definitely comes to mind from Purdue. But that's just because you just didn't like him, right? I thought that's what the point of this whole exercise yeah. was. <laughs> no, but but not necessarily like that he made a bunch of big shots. Like oh, to no, me, no, no. it was just kind of he was just kind of annoying. That, that guy for me was Chad Austin, though. Oh he, no. Yeah, a number of times. I hadn't thought about him and, in a while. Spoiled spoiled some games there. So if you want to think about Purdue guy and making big shots, it would definitely be him. Yeah. Jo- I don't remember. I'd like to go through team by team and just give a series of yeah. players that I do not like, but that's probably a, we maybe we'll do that this weekend. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, Woodbury. Brian to to he, uh, I hope I pronounced oh, it right. Adam oh, Woodbury. Adam Woodbury. Oh, that man. is the guy who poked everybody in the eye, but it was yeah, always an accident. He couldn't guard anybody, so he just jam fingers in people's eyes but those big centers at purdue scheffler and rowinski back in the day oh man I mean, they man. were they, could, they couldn't play and they always ended up with 15 and 10 points <laughs> yeah all right uh let's see who else are we getting here in the chat mob yeah we've got uh costello from michigan state uh craft was one yeah craft craft and cardinal are a couple of easy ones kelsey um, barlow kelsey barlow <laughs> yep yeah, we're getting a lot of Adam Woodbury is the worst in the chat mob. I don't, I don't know. He didn't really do anything to IU, did he? I mean, he was a... No, I think people just generally didn't like him. Oh, that's fair. I mean, but he, he might have done something once. I feel like there mm-hmm. was something. Mitch McGarry. Mitch McGarry. Yeah, he, he was only around for one season. Oh, Brian Butch. That was another one. I was kind of go yes. through Wisconsin guys that I really didn't like, which is a pretty long list at this point. Although many of those guys I'm probably confusing with one another, but... <laughs> They they all just blend together. Yeah, they're just like churning out. And Iowa always cocky. seems to have guys that are just there forever that you know can get kind yeah. of annoying. Jacob Jakes was one that nobody liked, but uh, I I give him a break because when Michael Lewis drilled him in the face with the ball, that that was that was fine. Uh, Blake Hoffarber, that would be another one. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Because then, then you had to hear about it, and then every time the Big Ten tournament is, and that gets brought oh, up yeah. again about this, and then yeah, that was that was not good. Yeah, I like. I was trying to just go through different, uh, yeah, different teams, and then figure out who on that team in the past. Michigan State feels like there should be more. Okay, see, I was just going to say that, and I'm wondering if it's a little bit sad that there aren't Michigan more Michigan State players because they've dominated us so much that it's almost like we go into a lot of those Michigan State games kind of feeling like we're not quite at their level, so we don't hate their players as much because we haven't won at their place. At, we need to get, you know, we need to get back to their level and rise above yeah. them so that we hate their Chris players Weber. more. I'm looking in recent years on Michigan State. I feel like there has to be somebody. I got to represent the old group, Weber. Chris Weber, the Fab Five guys. Fab See, five like like guys. you could say someone like Glenn Robinson, but I never, I mean, he was just awesome. I mean, I obviously hated that he played for Purdue and it was, you know, annoying that he would play well against us, but he was just a great player. So I didn't. I didn't. Kentucky? I didn't really hate Glenn Robinson. Oh, I remember Rex at Michigan State. Yeah, I, a Michigan State guy, Adam Ballinger. That guy always seemed to hit big shots yeah. against IU. Yep. Yeah, we'll we'll find this some is, Michigan State guys if we. This look is going them. into just a dark place as I'm like scrolling through these. Uh, it is. We're pulling out all of our all of our worst IU basketball memories here. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm just looking through like Ken Palm going back to toward the beginning of it and seeing who's there. Yeah, this is this is depressing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Neitzel, Neitzel was another one. Oh, on Drew Neitzel. Yeah, but yeah, but for some reason they just they haven't had as many of the. Sorry, Jen. Yeah, yeah, because Andy's going to be in a bad mood now. No, not <laughs> not her, not that Jen. Jen in chat. Oh, <laughs> I threw out the word "old" in referring to people that who played when she was in college. Sorry. Uh, okay. Well, we mindset, could, Jen. We could we could probably do this forever. Yeah, probably probably not good for our long term. No, it's not. Health, hey, no. Let's think of let's think of happier things. We'll, we'll all be there. We're getting in tomorrow. Little team dinner, and then the game on Saturday. So yeah, should looking, be fun. Looking forward to it. Do we get any Is other good your, ones? Uh, oh, uh, Lawrence yeah, Funderburg, Draymond Green, Jack. Gary Harris. Okay, so people are people are coming yeah. up with the with the Michigan State guys. Yeah, a few of us. Yeah, I'm sure there's some more from formative formative years that I would come up with if I sat long enough and and thought about it. Who was the big center that Michigan State had that was back from the Respert when Sean Respert and Eric Snow played there? They had a big Scheffler like center, and I think his name started with an S. Like Stepanovich or St- yes, Stiginga. Yes. Matt Stiginga? Matt, Matt, yeah. That's Matt Stiginga. He yeah. was a, a, a person that existed. <laughs> he was indeed a person that existed. Yeah. We could do I mean, that Matt Harms that. has made his way onto this list at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Matt Harms is with- definitely on the- with coaches too, mm. although there hasn't been big a lot, a lot of turnover lately. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Jen says, who would other teams say are their most hated IU players of all time? Coverdale, Coverdale. Will she? She he, she he would be she, one. She he would definitely be one. I mean, the guy that Devin Dumas punched in the nuts probably didn't like him very much. <laughs> <laughs> But that's a pretty small audience who really was was bothered by that guy. Uh, the, yeah, the, De- the Devin Dumas era was not long enough nor prolific enough to really generate too much hate besides the too guy who too got much his balls smashed. <laughs> that is true. Um, yeah, Josh yeah, is right. People, people probably did uh, hate Cody Zeller. I mean, just because he's Cody Zeller. You know, he, one of those players that you hated because he was good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think who who there would be. I mean, there was probably a lot of guys. Dane people... Fife. Dane Fife. There, there you go. Yeah, that yeah. would be one. I mean, I don't know that Cheney was a guy. That, I mean, he was a guy that you wouldn't like because they were good. I remember. Was it who was it that one? Big oh, Ten Damon first... Damon Bailey. I bet people didn't like yeah. Damon Bailey just because he was. Did, the, was the it big uh, was it Jim Jackson who won uh, Big Ten Freshman of the Year over Calvert? They weren't freshmen the same year. Or was it Michael Finley? It was. It was one of those. I remember I harbored ill will against whoever it was that beat him out for some award. For Wait, no, maybe no, it was Jackson, but he went pro early. That's right, he went pro early, but I think they started the same time. You're and right. I remember they did. I did. They did. I did not like him early. because I felt that Calvert had been wronged by not winning that award. But I, I don't know that Calvert was a guy that I mean, you didn't like him because he was so good. But I don't know that you didn't like him because if you're thinking about didn't like him because of the way that he played, Louisville fans might not. Dwayne Morton might not. But screw them all. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was fun. We can we can carry this conversation on at the Crazy Horse. So meet us there at three o'clock after the Michigan State game. We hope to see you all there. Looking forward to seeing you guys tomorrow. Yeah. Yep. Should be, be a good one. By this time tomorrow night, will be dinner will be over. No telling what could be going on. No telling. No telling. <laughs> no telling. Hey, Brian, just, 
Mrs. T's not coming. It's going to be look out, Bloomington. <laughs> I was just, I was just going to ask if she was. Coming. I'm going to hit the dance floor. I'm going to be the legend. <laughs> uh. <laughs> look out, sports. Popping the collar. Popping the collar. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.